And just coming back from Orlando for two weeks, where I, one of the nights I got to spend with an old friend, we used to be neighbors growing up, uh, we'd been friends since kindergarten, um, who self-identifies as a gay man, that middle part of the reading really jumped out at me, the middle part of that list. But it shouldn't. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou Well, I was told a long time ago by one of my mentors that um, it is pastoral malpractice to skip the hard reading and go for the easy one. <laughs> Because the easy one is not the one about which people are going to have questions. <laughs> so you're, you always should tackle that hard reading. When I read the readings I'd be coming back from vacation to preach on, I said, really God? For my first day back? <laughs> because this reading from 1 Timothy is a tough one. Because... St. Paul puts in it one of his vice lists, is what uh, they're called in biblical scholarship. Here's, here's what he writes. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine." That's not a fun one to come back from vacation and preach on. <laughs> and just coming back from Orlando for two weeks, where I, one of the nights I got to spend with an old friend, we used to be neighbors growing up, uh, we'd been friends since kindergarten, um, who self-identifies as a gay man, that middle part of the reading really jumped out at me, the middle part of that list. But it shouldn't. Because the whole list is there for a reason. St. Paul, in this set of letters, First and Second Timothy and Titus, is writing, these letters are a little bit different than the letters to like Rome or Galatia or Corinth, because these are letters not to a congregation, but from one pastor to another. St. Paul, as he is awaiting trial and eventually execution in Rome, is looking to make sure that the doctrine he has taught, and the word doctrine just means teaching, what he has taught will be preserved and passed on faithfully. So yes, there's this list in here, and this is a list with which um, Paul's in Rome would have been familiar from the Emperor Nero, because he did everything on this list. And in Ephesus, the cult of Diana was really very, very big and popular. And so much of this stuff would have been happening in the city that Timothy was pastoring in as well. And what St. Paul is reminding him 
is that his congregation, this is the lives they led before coming to Christ, and it is likely the struggles with which they are still struggling. Because while the new creation is real, the old Adam dies hard. And the habits of the heart change slowly, even when we have a new commitment in our life, a commitment to follow Christ. So he's reminding this young pastor, Timothy, of what his congregation is struggling with. And you can tell this by the way he goes on. Because Paul goes on to talk about his own sinful past. And he goes through the way he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But how he received mercy how that mercy overflowed from the Lord. And he ends with this by saying, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now I've been blessed in my life to have a lot of good mentors. Mentors both as a Christian, but also as a pastor. And... Um, I always know when my mentors, one of my mentors is trying to make a point. Not just by their tone of voice, but by the subjects they bring up. I think St. Paul is trying to make the point to Timothy that there's no way he can minister to these people who maybe have this list, which is not exhaustive. He does end it with saying whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. But these people whom he's going to need to minister to, who are struggling, are not, he's not going to be able to minister to them until he sees himself as one of them. Why was Paul able to found a church in the city dominated by the cult of Diana? Because he knew that his own sins were as grievous or worse than anyone else he was going to minister to. St. Paul uses this phrase uh, in, in the Greek, it's pistas halagas. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. He uses that five times in the pastoral epistles to essentially say, if you don't have time to tell the whole Jesus story, you can sum it up like this. This is one to hold on to, it's an anchor. And he goes on this time to say that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that's where most of the commentaries believe the quote is supposed to end. But the sentence goes on. Of whom I am the foremost. Do you think you can ever look down on somebody else if you really believe with all your heart that you are the foremost sinner in the world? See, St. Paul had... He, he actually did some of the stuff here. But Jesus did expand the circle of sin to include what happens in our hearts and never makes it out of our mouths. <laughs> so if we know our hearts well, and we know how much God has to forgive us for, how can we possibly look down upon someone else? The vice list here is not meant to help us look out at the world and see what's wrong with it. It's meant to help us look at our own hearts and see what's wrong with them. So that the posture of Christian faithfulness is always that of repentance. 
Because there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. And one of those great mentors in my life taught me some lessons about that. Couple, this is a very strict church he pastors. Um, they still stand for the whole worship service, unless you're pregnant or sick, then you get a chair. Um, women still cover their heads in that church when they come in to pray. And everyone comes dressed nicely because they're coming to the king's house. It's a very, very strict culture. About half of the congregation was born and raised in Russia, so they had a very, a very old school approach to church. Well, he had a young, uh, fresh out of seminary intern one year, and this guy was from California, and he was introducing his fiance to the service, which was pretty highly structured. And uh, during that time, he apparently leaned over, put his arms around his, his uh, put it on the shoulder of his fiance, he was explaining things to her. Well, after church, one of the uh, matriarchs of the congregation just tore into the pastor at the back of the church. I can't believe he was doing that. He is never going to be able to pastor a church if he's going to touch his fiance in worship and blah, blah, blah. And she went on and on and on. And Father John, being who he is, nodded his head and listened wisely and waited till she was done. And then he said, well, thank you for telling me. I certainly will bring that to his attention because I don't want any unnecessary stumbling blocks in his ministry. But may I ask you a question? How did you notice because you were supposed to be praying. <laughs> so he shoots from the hip a little more than your pastor does. <laughs> but because of that, his congregation was a place where now, this is about 15 years ago, where now 80% of the congregation are converts to Jesus Christ. It's a congregation where people coming to Christ is not the same thing as behaving the right way and they have incredible tolerance and love for one another as they each nurture each other along this path because they all know they're on the same path. And I was able to share with my friend when we were having a drink together about this because he has only experienced kind of the judgmental side of Christianity and I told him about the treasurer from my friend's church who is a convert to Jesus and it was a long journey for him because he's also a homosexual and he thought that that barred him forever from the kingdom of heaven and he thought all he was going to get from the church was judgment so when he finally came to Christ it was a terrifying thing for him to be there in church and it took him 10 years to learn to live chastely in accordance with the gospel. But, during that ten years, he received nothing but encouragement from his brothers and sisters in Christ. Because they each had their eyes on their own sins and didn't have time to judge his. God, help that we should become that same kind of church, that the whole church of Jesus Christ should be that way. Because that is what St. Paul is aiming at in his letter to Timothy to remind us all that we are all equally guilty before the law but equally beloved by God through Jesus Christ 
Will you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, not just when, but especially when it challenges us. For it reminds us how much we need your mercy and cannot stand on our own. And you have given that mercy through your Son. Thank you. And we ask you, Lord, to make us truly and great, grateful and appreciative of that gift so that we pass on that same love to others, that we welcome others into our church, into your embrace, into encounter with your word and reception of your sacraments, that we may all grow more and more into the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, and in whose name we pray. Amen. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence, my life.